Hey, I want to welcome everybody here at First Church. So good to have you with us. I want to say especially welcome out to our Stone Canyon and Verdigris campus, uh, campuses, and uh, glad to have you all with us as well today. Uh, plus, everybody who's watching online or listening online, good to have you along for the journey. Hey, uh, I hope that you were here uh, last week as uh, Jared brought the message on uh, community and really just this this push that, that we as, as followers of Jesus are called to do life together, that we can't love Jesus alone. Hey, if you were here last week, how many of you uh, went, went and watched the show alone this week? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah? <laughs> uh, me and Steph, we, we watched five episodes this week because of Jared, all right? He made an impact on our life last week. But anyway, I hope more than that, I hope that you got plugged into a group. If you have not got plugged into a life group or into a class, I just want to really encourage you to make that step of faith in your journey because I know God will bless you for that. Uh, this week, we want to uh, just go one more step further as we talk about kind of uh, these vision sermons that we're doing, kind of standalone sermons. And this week we want to talk about uh, really the the first part of our vision statement for 2017. Last week we kind of talked about the second part, that we want to grow found people. This week we want to talk about that we are called, we want to reach lost people, all right? We want to reach lost people. We're called to reach lost people. And so uh, we want to talk about that here today. Here's one thing that we know. As we look at organizations uh, around the globe, organizations, companies, uh, churches, uh, all kinds of organizations that set out with a vision, with a purpose, with a focus, so often they lose that focus, they lose that purpose, and it doesn't take long for them to eventually come to a place where they close their doors, all because they've lost focus. That happens in the church. Matter of fact, thousands of churches will close their doors this year because of that, because they have lost focus. They've lost the mission that Jesus initially gave us to make a difference in this world, to reach lost people, and they're not willing to make the changes necessary to continue to speak truth into a culture and to reach lost people people. And we don't want that to be the case here at First Church. We want to be a church that's willing to make the changes necessary to, to reach the lost in our communities here in Owasso, uh, out in the Stone Canyon area, in the Vertigris area, and, and beyond as God continues to lead us. And so we want to be a church that, again, is about reaching lost people. Now, let me say this, okay? Let me just pause here. Uh, church people, okay? First church people, just Calm down here just for a second. Just kind of, you know, put your fingers in your ear if you want. And let me just talk to you if you're here with us today and you're one who maybe you're described as lost, okay? Maybe, maybe you're one who you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You're here and you're, you're just here because somebody invited you or somebody pushed you or somebody dragged you to be here. And we're, let, let me first off say this. We're glad you're here, okay? Uh, we're super excited that you're here. And, and, but let me say this to you. You might today get kind of a little bit of a, a look under the hood at, at First Church, or, or maybe even of Christianity as a whole, and you're going to hear us want to talk about reaching people like you. And you might say, well, 
aha, see, I knew it. All you're about is trying to change me or trying to make me one of you. And, and unapologetically, I will say this, you're right, okay? Uh, we do. We, we want to reach people like you. Because here's what we believe. We believe that there is a God who loves you. He loves us. He loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And we also believe that one day when this life comes to an end, and all of us will eventually come to an end, one, one out of one people die, <laughs> and we believe at that time we face a judgment, uh, that, that, that we will stand before a judgment seat before God, and, and a decision will be made based on the decision that we make about Jesus in this life. And we will either go to heaven or to hell. And hell's a real place that we, we know is a place that we don't want to go. And we don't want you to go. And so we believe that the most loving thing we can do is to reach out to those like you who don't believe in Jesus. And intellectually compassionately, lovingly come to you and help you find out about our Jesus so that you can make a decision about him. We don't apologize for that. And so again, we, we are so glad you're here. And we hope that you'll come to know our Jesus. Now the sad part is this, is that we, in the church, we have to have messages like this. That we as as ministers and preachers and teachers, you know, that we actually have to talk about this topic and, and almost um, come to a point of have to, having to convince ourselves and to convince those who are in the church that we ought to be about reaching the lost. We ought to be about evangelism. That's sad. It's sad that we have to take a moment to, to again, to, to be prodded and to be reminded and to be convinced to do this. Because in reality, our hearts should be broken for the lost. In reality, we should be so excited about what Jesus has done in our life that, that we are unstoppable in taking that message to people who don't know Him. It, it's it's like the story over in Mark chapter 5 where you have the story of this guy that we call the demoniac because he had demons in him and Jesus comes along and Jesus casts out those demons. It's a crazy story. I encourage you to go read it. He casts out those demons and then Jesus and his followers are about to go on their way and the demoniac guy who's been healed now, his, he's in his right mind and he wants to go with him and it says this in verse 18 and following there in Mark 5. As, as he he was getting into the boat. Talking about Jesus, Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Jesus didn't let him get in the boat. And this, this is what he said to him. Go home to your friends and tell them, tell, okay, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so he went away and began to proclaim, 
Okay, there it is. Proclaim in the Decapolis, all right? Decapolis means 10 cities, all right? There's 10 cities in this area, and that's where he's going. He began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And listen to this, I love this. And everyone marveled. I mean, I can can just imagine the excitement that this man seems to have as he goes from town to town, from city to city, to tell them, hey, listen what God did in my life. Listen what this guy Jesus did in my life. And he couldn't be stopped. He couldn't be shut up. He didn't have to take uh, time to go take an evangelism class. He didn't need to be persuaded or motivated to to go and and share his faith. He, He couldn't hold in the good news of what he had experienced in Jesus, the changed life that he had found. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, let me just ask you this. Aren't you excited about what Jesus has done in your life? Aren't you excited as you think about what your life was and what your life has become or maybe what your life could have been but what your life is because of Jesus? Aren't you excited? Have you taken a moment, have you taken a time lately to examine your life and to recognize all the things that God has done in your life to bring you where you are in this place of your faith with your hope and with, a, with, a, with joy in your life? As you look out at the landscape of this world and those who don't know Jesus and and what they experience and the hopelessness that they have and you see what you have and doesn't that just bring you joy? Doesn't that just bring you excitement? I hope, but maybe we've lost sight of that. Maybe we've came to a place where we are comfortable and we've we've lost we've lost the fact that we hold the antidote for this life that we hold what it takes to to do away with sin so that a person can have hope in Jesus and hope in the afterlife we have the good news that people need and maybe we've lost sight of that mission that God has called us to, to reach lost people. Listen, lost people matter to God. You know that? Lost people matter to God, so they should matter to me. You hear that? Lost people matter to God, and they should matter to me. Say that with me every every campus. Here here we go. Lost people matter to God, so they should matter to me. All right? And maybe today is this reminder that we are to be a church, God's church, that is all about reaching lost people. One of the questions that comes up as you talk about uh, evangelism in the church is this. Um, how, how do we as a church reach lost people in, in an increasingly secular culture? How do we reach the lost in this increasingly secular culture? 
And as I've studied that over the last couple of weeks, preparing for this and, and trying to get my head around this and try, how do, how do we be a church that keeps on staying in with the culture, not becoming the culture, not, not bowing to this culture, but, but staying up with the culture in such a way like we see Paul do over and over again as he goes from city to city and culture to culture, you see him address each culture differently. How do we do that? How do we, how do we change? And one of the things that's come up about our culture, our Western culture that we are in today, is that in the past, in the past for evangelism, it was, it was largely, hey, bring your friends to church. And they'll hear a message from the stage, from, from the speaker, from the preacher, and, and that message might penetrate their heart because they, they are coming already from a largely Christianized culture. And so once they hear it, it seems to make sense. And that very day, they might come to a decision to follow Jesus. That's why you would see uh, great crusades, uh, Billy Graham crusades, and you see so many go forward and give their life to Christ, even though now they realize close to 90% of those were already church people, but, but that still that 10%, there's still thousands that were, would come to faith just from the hearing of the message that day. What we have found today, what, what, what researchers have found today is that that's really not the case anymore, that, that people aren't going to just come in and generally just come down after the service and give their life to Christ because they heard the gospel message presented to them that one time. What it takes now is a inviting, a, a come and see mentality still of uh, come and see what I found, come and see Jesus, come and find him in, in this context here at the church. But then it's you, as you bring your friends, as you bring your family, those who you come in contact with, it's picking up after the preacher and saying, hey, let's, let's go and let's go to lunch and let's go talk and and take it to the next level. What did you think about what was heard? What, did you, what do you think about this Jesus? And, and help them engage in the conversation. And it's in that relationship then that eventually that person might come to know Jesus. You see, it, it, it's not where we were where you could just rely on a guy from the stage to present the message in a compelling way. It's a partnership. We're all in this together. The church is working together to reach lost people. And that's one new thing, one thing that we've discovered about our culture that we need to recognize is we want to reach the lost. It takes all of us. We don't have room for just seat fillers, okay? Every one of us as followers of Jesus need to recognize our role and our call to be a part of reaching lost people. And so what, else, what is it going to take what is it going to take for us to do that? Let me just highlight a, a couple of things that I believe it's going to take for us to have this mission, to, to accomplish this mission that, that Jesus has given us. And the first thing is this. If we're going to reach lost people, it's going to take evangelistic prayers. Evangelistic prayers. We know that God loves the lost, all right? And so one might ask the question, well, why do we need to pray for lost people? If God already loves them, he's already trying to, why do we need to pray about that? Well, I think there's several reasons. Uh, number one is that Jesus told us that this is part of the plan, that we go to God and we pray for evangelism to happen. Over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, he's talking to his disciples there, and he says this, then he said to, the, to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few and here it is therefore pray 
earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, you might be going, what's, uh, what's farming have to do with this? Well, harvest, what are you talking about? And harvest, he's talking about people who are ready, who are ripe to, to come to know Jesus. They're just there. But he says the prayer is not just for them. We need, there's other places we need to pray for them, but we need to be praying for those to go out to them, to reach out to them. And the interesting thing is as you go on in the text, is that the disciples that he commands to pray for laborers, become the laborers as he sends them out into the harvest field. Listen, evangelistic effectiveness starts with evangelistic prayer. Evangelistic effectiveness starts with evangelistic prayer. Maybe you've heard it said that, that prayer doesn't change the heart of God. Instead, it changes the heart of the prayer, all right? It changes. When we pray to God, we're not, we're not changing God, and we're not changing his plan. We're not changing his heart, and not changing his mind. We're changing us. And so we need to pray for evangelism to happen, for lost people to come to Christ, and for laborers, for workers in the kingdom to rise up to make a difference. You see, Again, prayer changes our heart. It, as, we, as we begin to pray for lost people, it begins to help us have a heart towards lost people. We know that, that lost people matter to God, but do lost people matter to me? And if they don't matter to me that much, then I need to pray for lost people, and I need to pray for my heart to be softened and that I might have a passion for those who are lost, that they might matter to me. And the more I pray for people either in general or maybe as specific people that are in my life that, that God's put in my path, that as I pray for them, my heart begins to break for them and I begin to look for opportunities to reach out to them. Prayer changes our heart. Prayer also invokes the power of God. We need God's help. We need God's boldness as we walk through this life, as we encounter people that need him. We need God to, to work in us and through us. Just like what just talked about in this, as Jesus instructs his disciples to pray, God works in them and changes their heart and empowers them as they go out and they go into surrounding communities two by two to take the gospel, the good news, of Jesus. And I believe God continues to do that today, and we need to pray evangelistic prayers to Him, praying for laborers, praying for those who are lost that they might come to know Him. It's also going to take an evangelistic mission. It's also going to take an evangelistic mission. As individuals, we need to recognize that in our life, what we are called to. But as a church, as a community of believers, as we, as we gather, as we work together to build the kingdom, we need to have an evangelistic mission. That's why as we began this year, 2017, we, we kind of uh, shifted our mission a little bit. We, we came up with a new vision for, for 2017 that just starts off by simply saying that we want to reach lost people along with we want to grow found people. That we want to be a community where everyone is welcome because 
No one is perfect. We get it. We're all a bunch of sinners. And anything is possible. When God is in the middle of it, when God is at work, anything is possible. Any life can be changed. Anybody can come to know him. And so we want to be a place where, where everybody is welcome to come and find Jesus. That's our Mission. Jesus made his mission very clear whenever he says, I came to seek and save the lost. But he also made our mission clear on a number of occasions. Over in Mark chapter 16, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's talking to his disciples one last time. He's expressed to them his dis- disappointment and their unbelief. Some of them are still doubting. And, yet, and then he tells them, he gives them this charge, and he said to them, Go! All right, go into the world and proclaim, there's that word, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to everyone, everywhere. When he says creation, he's not talking about the animals and go preach to, to every living thing that walks on this earth, but to every nation, every people group, everywhere, to everyone who doesn't know Jesus, we're to proclaim that gospel. And so he he calls us to that mission to preach the gospel to all those that he places in our path. Maybe you've heard this saying. It's been used before. Matter of fact, I think as a preacher, I've probably used before as well. Um, where we say, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Now, that sounds like a neat little uh, scripture or a neat little phrase, use words if necessary, basically saying just live your life and, and surely people will come to know Jesus through the way that you live. And I think we have used that little phrase as a cop-out. And uh, what the sad thing is, is as I think about that, and, and, uh, and sadly I believe I've used that before, uh, it is extremely unbiblical. Uh, it's an unbiblical phrase because here's the fact we have to use our mouth every time that Jesus or Paul or others talk about taking the gospel to people they talk about proclaiming him preaching telling saying using our mouth telling our story and we've got to be a people on mission to preach and to teach and to tell others about Jesus. Paul over Romans 10, 14 says this, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not, what? Heard. Heard. Somebody has to talk to him. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Guess what? Every one of us are commissioned to be preachers, tellers of the good news, telling people our story of what God has done in us and through us and how he's changed us and helping them come to know him. Matthew 28, at the end there, it's a kind of a reiteration of what we just read about over in Mark, where Jesus gives what we know as the Great Commission, and he's looking at his disciples once again before he ascends. They're on the side of a mountain, and he says this, go therefore and make disciples baptizing them and teaching them go and make disciples that's our mission and it has not changed i don't know if you've ever been to the arlington national cemetery i have not i'd love to go someday uh it's a, and it's amazing of course i've seen pictures and and videos and documentaries and it's an amazing place but you may know, probably know, that there you find the tomb to the unknown soldier, tomb of the unknown soldier that is guarded 24-7 by guards. When 
it is a shift change. When one guard comes to relieve the other guard, this is the charge that is given every time. Orders remain unchanged. And day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, generation after generation, orders remain unchanged. And the same is true for us as the church. Our mission has not changed. We have been given marching orders. We know what we're called to do. We are to go into all the world and to preach, to proclaim Jesus to those who don't know him. It has not changed, though many churches have neglected that call. Many followers of Jesus have neglected that call. Orders remain unchanged, church. We're all to go and make disciples. Let's not miss that mission. We are called to this evangelistic mission. But we're also called to evangelistic living. If we're going to live this out, if we're going to make a difference in this world, if we're going to reach lost people, we have to have evangelistic living. And you might think, well, that kind of goes contradictory to what you just talked about. Uh, you know, it's got to use our mouth. It does take, they work hand in hand, to this, this living it out as well as speaking it out. Because it's our living out the gospel that brings credibility to our speaking out of the gospel. Over in Matthew chapter 5, we just studied this text earlier this year as we went through the Sermon on the Mount, and it's there that Jesus tells his, his followers, those who are con contemplating following him, he says this, you are the salt of the earth. He goes on in verse 14 there in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. And then he goes down in verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There, there is a call there to be salt in this dull world, this world that has become dulled by sin. We're to spice it up, to be the salt in the, of this earth. But we're also called to be light in this world of darkness, darkened by sin. We're to illuminate this world. That's what we're called to. And he says it's by the life that we live. That is through our life, through our good deeds, through our good works that, that people see it and eventually give glory to God because they see his work in us and in that they come to faith in him because somebody then is able to speak the gospel to them because there is a credibility there by the way we have lived our life. Listen, as as we go into this world, we're called to go. He's already told us that. As we go into this world, as we go about our lives, as we go to all the places that we go, our workplace, our, our, our workout place, our, our shopping places, our homes, our, wherever we go, our neighborhoods, as we go, we are to live this life in such a way that brings credibility to the gospel. Can I get really, really practical real quick here, Christians? Be nice. Can I say that? Just be nice. We live in a world where there's a lot of mean people in the world. 
But unfortunately, as we look at our churches today, there's a lot of mean people in our churches. Just mean. Looking down on others. And they destroy our credibility because we don't live out the gospel in our lives. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to, to overcome us and produce the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Instead, we, we li are living out our own selfish lifestyles, and, and I would really, really encourage those who are convicted in this moment to really question, I know this is going deep, even questioning your salvation, if you're not living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life and you claim to be a believer in Christ, what's the proof? What proof is there that you have salvation, you have Jesus in you? Listen, church, we're called to live out the gospel, to bring credibility to the message of Christ. Don't be one that makes Jesus look bad. Lastly is this, if we're going to reach lost people, we've got to have prayer, evangelistic prayer, we've got to have an evangelistic message, uh, mission, we've got to have uh, an evangelistic living going on in our life. But lastly, we need to have an evangelistic urgency, urgency in our life. Paul, there's no doubt that in Paul's life, as we read his writings, he talks about reaching lost people, there is an urgency in him to spread the good news of Jesus. Over in Romans chapter 9, listen to this, uh, 1 through 5, he says this, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm speaking it, I'm living it out. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. They've got it all. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. And what's he saying? He's saying, they won't believe. My brothers in, in the faith, Jews, they, they won't, even though they have all these things to their credit, all these things in their legacy, all these things that lead up to Christ, they won't believe. And he says this, here's the urgency. I would rather go to hell in their place if they could just come to faith in Jesus. That's huge. That's an urgency. That's a heart for lost people that we all should strive to emulate, that we, we would stop at nothing, even giving our own salvation for the salvation of others. That's an urgency that we're called to have in our life. Paul says that he wishes he, that he'd be willing to take their place. Jude chapter 23 of Jude, little bitty book at the very, uh, towards the very end of the New Testament, right before Revelation, that we pass over so much. Jude says this in verse 23, save others by snatching them out of 
the fire. I love that imagery. Snatching them out of the fire. What fire is he talking about? He's talking about the fires of hell. And, he's, and the call there is to do whatever it takes to snatch them out, to, do, to be right there at the gates of hell and to grab them before they go in that they might come to know Jesus and give their life to him and be saved from an eternity of destruction. And there's an urgency there that Jude is communicating to those that he is writing to. Listen, hell is real and people are going there. This life is temporary. It's only here for a moment and gone the next. And we need to be about this, this mission that God has called us to, to reach lost people so they don't go to hell. It's this urgency for the gospel that has propelled so many from our own church, from, from our own family here, to go into all parts of this world to take the gospel. I think about Matt Wilmoth, who was down in Honduras, and now he's up in, in New York serving up there, trying to take the gospel up there. I think about Jennifer Ackerman, now Williams, who's up in the, the northwest corner of the United States trying to take the message to teenagers up there with her husband, Jacob. I think about Kelsey uh, Saylor, now Coleman, that, that's down at the University. University of Texas that's, that's trying to take the gospel to these uh, kids that are lost on, these college, on the college campus down there. Now, now Courtney Franklin, one of ours, is going to go join her, be a part of that mission down there of, of reaching the lost. I think about even the most recent, the Billews, Chris and Morgan, who taking their little ones over to to Italy to reach out to the refugees. I, I think about the Zlomkis, uh, uh, Nicole and, and Nathan, who are over in Thailand to, to take the gospel to the people there, all leaving this place because there's an urgency to, to go and to take the gospel. Where's God calling you to take the gospel? What urgency is inside of you to, to go and to reach people who need to know Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the past, he says this, Oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stop and not rush madly to destroy themselves. Listen, church, we've got to stop, stop worrying about offending others. We've got to stop worrying about what others might think about us. We've got to quit putting off and thinking that that person, they won't come to faith anyway. They would never listen to me. Church, we've got to be urgent about the mission that God has called us to, to reach lost people. Earlier this week, I was reading through my journals from years past, and I've picked up mine from 1980, uh, 1996, before I even came uh, here to Owasso, uh, to this church. And here was my entry on February 7th, 1996. I was a youth minister, still trying to figure out what I was doing in ministry. I said this, sometimes when I'm with kids and uh, with my kids I, and ask them about their non-Christian friends, I get so aggravated they tell me they don't like them for one reason or another, and they don't hang, out, uh, hang around with them because they don't agree with what they do. I'm glad they see those things as wrong, but they need to open their eyes to see their own purpose as a Christian. 
How are they to win these people to Christ if they don't befriend them? I look back on my high school days and I know I had that same mentality. It's almost like saying they're not good enough to become a Christian. And that statement is totally against the Christian way. I read that statement that I made in my journal 21 years ago. And I thought, where did that urgency go in me? As I read through my journal, I looked at my prayer lists, and and in my prayer list, there's name after name of kids who were lost, and I was praying for them, and and parents of my kids who were lost, and I was praying for them. And and, and I realized, and I recognized, I don't have that urgency anymore. I've gotten, I, I've gotten into ministry and, and I've, I've lost the, the passion for reaching the lost and, and I've just gotten busy doing the work of the church and I've lost that which I once had, this urgency to reach the lost. What about you? Do you have an evangelistic urgency about you? Are you striving to live your life in such a way that it leads to credibility in a message that you might want to bring to somebody, the good news of Jesus? Or are you living your life with that mission, understanding that purpose, that you are here, that God has empowered you to be bold, to proclaim the good news of Jesus to those that he puts in front of you? Are you praying prayers, evangelistic prayers for those who are lost, those who need to know Jesus? We want to ask you to do something today as you came to your uh, campus, as you came in today, you uh, should have received or, or should have found two cards. Uh, we want to ask you to do something with those cards. One card is for you and one card is for us. What we'd simply ask you to do is to write down the names of of at least two people. There's two blanks on there. Uh, maybe you have more, but we'd ask you to write those names down on that card of people you believe that God may be calling you as a follower of Jesus, as an ambassador of the gospel, that he's calling you to go for, to go after, to begin praying for them. Maybe you take your card and you're going to put it up on your, your uh, mirror at the house or in your car and you'll be that reminder that you need to be praying for them and you need to be looking for opportunities to reach out to them. But we also want the other card. And as you leave your campus, we're going to ask you to drop those off and, and leave those with us so we can put those on a list. And together as a church, we can pray evangelistic prayers for those who need to know Jesus. So church... Let's be, a, let's be a church that's on mission to reach lost people. Because this is what we know. Lost people matter to God, so they should matter to me. Father in heaven, God, may that be our heart. God, may you put a fire within us want to reach those who don't know you. 
So God, change us. And God, we pray that you would use us as your church to do everything that we can to reach lost people. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.